Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. So this evening's show is um, Functional Alcoholism and Women. So the classic picture of an alcoholic is someone whose life is, is falling apart. A person that drinks too much and his life is falling apart. But the reality is that that's not always what alcoholism looks like. So some people seem to be just fine, um, even though they are misusing alcohol. And these, these are the people that we call functional or high-functioning um, alcoholics. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. It's a touchy topic. But the nice thing is that I've been down this road and I have two guests who will be joining me on tonight's sidebar, Cindy. I'm joined by Kiri Rupia. She's the online editor for the Mail and Guardian. And she wrote an article in 2017 that, that touched my heart and changed my life. I'll also be joined um, telephonically by Audrey Vermeulen. She's the national director um, at, the, at, at SANCA, the South African National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence. And we'll be chatting about functional alcoholism. And of course, you know, we'll be, we'll be taking your calls on 86 um, 00959 we'll be taking your SMS's on 36959 and already a lot of people have joined the conversation on, on Twitter with the hashtag Sidebar Cindy and Kai FM Talk so without wasting any time I'd like to welcome my guests um, into studio well, welcome Kiri and thank you so much for being here thank you for having me okay so the first thing I want to ask you is when you wrote this article in 2017 what had prompted you to write it and and yeah and then you'll tell us a bit more about what the article is about but what prompted you to write to write this piece okay um i'm going to tell you the story but like my mom's listening so let's just okay so what had happened was i'd gone out with friends and we were having a great time uh we were 20 somethings and we were flush with cash and yeah you know, the drinks were flowing. And sometime in the evening, I decided that I wanted a burger really badly. And um, I went into a burger joint and we ordered. And the the woman next to me who was ordering from somebody else was being like very rude to the cashier. And for some reason, I don't know, it just like set me off. I'm sure if I'd been sober at the time, it would have not been like that big a deal. But because... I'd had a few drinks and my mouth was just flying. I just, I got into it with this woman and we took our conversation outside and Mm. it ended up coming to blows. Like it was, it was wild. And I remember my best friend saying to me, look, dude, how am I going to call your mom and tell her that you're in a prison cell right now? I'm not paying bail. I'm not coming to fetch you. I look, this is not who you are. And yeah. imagine something like a silly assault charge or public drinking, and then you have something on your record. Like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. So the next day, hangover in full effect, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to, to like all of my friends saying, dude, that was like, that was wild. That was out of control. And you're having like, flashbacks. And I'm having flashbacks. And I'm like, oh, did I say that? Did I do that? Oh, no. And then I thought to myself, like, this isn't, this isn't me. So I started reading up on like like alcohol abuse and alcohol like misuse and all that stuff. And the weird thing was that there, there was this common thread of people my age, same educational background, same sort of like family setup, you know, these are not people with like problems that you can see out like outwardly, but here I was basically creating problems for myself. Mm-hmm. And I just I just realized this is not me. Mm-hmm. I, I know this is not me. 
So yeah, that's what prompted it. And then yeah, luckily I got like a very, I got that wake up call then, and I got a platform on which to write about it without being judged or made fun of or feeling like you know what I was, I was alone in this. Yeah. yeah, and that's the reason why I invited you, um, you know, for this topic because I re- I remember reading your your article and and thinking to myself, oh, but Cindy, you know. There's, there's, there's a lot of truth in, in this piece. And I think what we don't realize is just how much um, marketing ha- has gone into, into alcohol in, mm-hmm. in recent years. Everything yes. is cute, everything is pink, everything is blue. And I mean, I, I'm allergic to most alcohol, except bubbly. You know, as, as fate would <laughs> have it, bubbly is the thing I can still tolerate. But even okay. that is cute. So I was, I was saying to someone earlier on that if you, if you were to drink a six pack of beers in front of me, on your fourth one, I'd be looking at you and saying to you, hey, I think we have a problem. Mm. But if I was to sit and, and down a bottle of, of Bubby in front of you, yeah. no one's going to say anything because it's cute oh. and the glass, the, the champagne flute, and I'm holding it in a, in a fancy way. Yeah. But it's the same, it's the same issue. Mm-hmm. Right, but yes. no one's going to say anything because of what it looks like. Yeah, and and this is really what we want to unpack tonight. And mm. um, I'm hoping that um, people do call in. Mm-hmm. This is a safe space. We're not going to judge anyone because, you know, we've we've gone through this, and that's why we have Audrey from Mulan online as well um, to 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 help us, you know, with this topic. So I'd like to say good evening to Audrey. Good evening, Audrey, and thank you so much for for being on the show. Hi. Good evening, Cindy, and welcome to and thank you for having us. Yes, on this cold winter night. <laughs> no, thank you so much for being here. So, as you've heard, um, um, Audrey, we're discussing um, functional alcoholism, um, especially in women. And I know that yes. um, you you work at Sanka and you do um, a lot of incredible work with 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 people that are living with alcoholism and mm. and drug and and drug um, dependence. The first mm. thing I'd like to 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 get from you is what is the definition of alcohol um, misuse? Right, so we've got uh, different categories. We've got mild, moderate, and severe, according to the DSM-5. So it's very important to first look and see there's 11 criteria we we look at to see how does it affect a person's life. Yes. So then only do we then make a diagnosis of how severe the relationship is with the alcohol or with the substance that they are using. So there's been a big shift to also destigmatize the whole field, you know, and the terminology we use have changed. So we don't talk about misuse, we don't talk about abuse anymore. We talk about substance use disorders. So it's our relationship with chemicals, you know, that we are trying to define. Because we realize that most of us have got a relationship with a chemical. You know, whether it's a headache tablet, whether it is alcohol, you know. So on some level, we have a relationship. Okay. Yes. And so, and so, so it's, yeah. Yeah. So when we look at the diagnosis or the definition that you were looking at, we look at the functioning and we look at how does, are you able to control it? Yes. The second area we look at is how does it affect your functioning? We also look at the pharmacological effects on your body. So is there tolerance, is there withdrawals? Mm. And then also are you placing yourself in risky situations? Mm. Okay. And so does that mean that the CAGE questionnaire that we used to, well, that we use as medical doctors, does that fall away or can we still, can we still apply that? 
you can still apply, but it's uh, preferable that we start using the new the form new terminology. of addressing it and the new terminology. And that really makes us more sensitive towards people with such problems, you know, that we realize we all can be in that boat. You know? So yeah. it is, we all have some kind of dependence in our own lives, something we rely on, something that we use as a crutch to cope with our lives. Mm. Mm. So going back to to you, Kiri. So mm-hmm. with the with the research that you did for your, for your article, I think first of all, just tell us a bit about what you wrote about, and then tell us what you found out as as you were researching for it. So when I started doing the research, it wasn't so much to write about it. Okay. Okay. It was for myself. It was just looking at my relationship with alcohol, my friends' relationships with alcohol, and just in general how this thing is marketed and sold to us. And I realized that there was a a lot of pinking the drinks, you know, uh, a feminization of um, alcohol use. Because a lot of, you know, a lot of ads for drinks back in the day were a bunch of dudes looking hella strong, you know, coming out of a mine shaft and then they out with their beers and they're like you know there was that and then recently as of like the 90s and onwards especially with um like magazines like cosmo and them sorry like a lot of like a lot of these um ads started getting into women's magazines and being positioned as you know this is this is the kind of thing that young upwardly mobile professional women do remember sex in the city yes i do i like you you love love sex Sex in the the city city. and every time you watch sex in the city how many times were they drinking all the time thank you so my dream in life was to drink a cosmo because (laughs) they were always always talking about cosmos and then there you were oh you know a cosmo is cute i mean they look they look like they have it all and their lives are together Mm. and yet they can have these drinks and look super sophisticated and for a lot of us, look, I'm not saying that you know, if you watch Sex in the City, then you were going to become a like you know, a raging alcoholic. Not at all. But I realized the way these things sort of like took a shift. So instead of just, you know, it's only for brawny men, you know, after a hard day's work, whatever, it became this thing where it's like, oh, it's cute. It's sexy. It's sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Hey, have a drink. Hey, buy yourself some drinks. Hey, why don't you and your girls have like, you know, mimosas at brunch? And next thing you know, we had wine o'clock. Next thing you know, we had wine time. Mm-hmm. And those huge like uh, fishbowl glasses, <laughs> wine glasses. And then, yeah. And then it became mommy juice. And then it became... You know, this is the thing that moms do for themselves. Because remember mm-hmm. how Oprah was always like, you know, women take care of everybody but themselves. Mm. And then that sort of conversation started creeping into, like, alcohol um, alcohol uh, use and stuff. And next thing you know, it's, it's cool. It's fine. It's, it's, it's what mommy does. Yeah. This is mommy's time. So a lot of those issues have come up on, 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 the, on the timeline, on social media, under mm-hmm. the hashtag sidebar Cindy, KFM Talk. We're taking your calls on 86 and your SMS is on 36959. I want to hear your story. If you are living with functional alcoholism, what's your, what has your experience been? Or do you know someone that's struggling with functional alcoholism? Um, I think with me, um, when, I, when I look back, um, the, the wake-up call came when I had gone out for lunch with my husband and my kids and I've tweeted about this so it's not it's not it's not a new story and 
he asked me what I was going to drink. And I said to him, okay, I'll have some bubbly. So he said to the waiter, okay, no, you can bring my wife a bottle of, of, of bubbly. And I remember thinking to myself, we'll probably be here for about two hours at the most because it wasn't a, a really child-friendly restaurant and my kids were becoming antsy. But in my head, I knew that in that two hours, in that hour and a half, I would have finished that bubbly by the time we were done. Mm. And it, it hit me then. Okay, Cindy. Well, maybe, you know, we have an issue. Yeah. And um, I remember, so I, I think I changed my drink order, if I remember correctly. And I said, and he said to me, why? What's the problem? I'm like, no, honey, I don't think I'll have, uh, um, I'll have bubbly. I'll have bubbly today. And it got me thinking about how, you know, in the work that I do, I see patients coming in and telling me that, you know, they, they, they're downing a bottle of red wine a night and I'm, and I'm looking at them with that eye. But there I am downing a bottle of, of bubbly a night mm. and no one's looking at me at that, with that eye. But I was looking at other people that eye because of how cute you know, it looks. It looks because there's two types of things, right? There's the mats that you just did in your head, yeah. right? That day when you did that mats of, okay, if I have this and if I I'm here for two hours, I think I can have that and whatever. Then there's also the control your slop, right? Control your slop is, it's not bad if you're drinking something cute. Mm-hmm. It's champagne, you know. If, as you said, you were drinking a six pack in an hour. Then we're like, yo, Cindy's got a problem. But because you're drinking something really cute, as you said, and it's in a champagne glass, and you're there with your husband, and look, you're not doing anything risky. You're just, you know, unwinding with your Mm -hmm. family. That's controlling your slop. And it's it's also pretty dangerous because that's how we just, we we justify these things. We do the math. Okay, I'm going to be here. Okay, I really don't like that person. But, you know, I have to smile and act like, you know, I'm like the funniest and most extroverted person that I can be while I'm here, even if it's a work thing, okay, let me just have two shots of vodka and be done with it. Or, hmm, it's not going to look so bad if my, my boss sees me drinking champagne. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's not like I was like, you know, holding a quart. Mm-hmm. See? Reality, sobering <laughs> stuff. Audrey, coming back to you, um, you know, a lot of the things that are coming through on social media, and I mean, after the break, we'll come back to it, is how work stresses are leading us yes. to turn to alcohol as a, as a, as a form of, of comfort or relaxation after the day. That's right. Yeah. So just talk us through that. I think there's so many reasons why people drink or want to escape, you know, from, from work stress right through to personal problems. And listening to the both of you sharing so much of yourself, I realize, you know, that I think it's also about that uh, feeling socially connected as well and being part of being a female, you know, being mm. part of the womanhood. But also, I, I also realize that the denial goes so much deeper, you know, that one really gets to a point where you don't see it as a problem because you're managing to control it on some level, you mm. know, and you don't see it, then you don't see the warning signs because you might not drink every day. You might not, you only might drink at special occasions. Mm. But like what you were saying about drinking one bottle within an hour or two means that your body has built up a tolerance. Exactly. You know? So your body has gotten used to that alcohol and that you are able to still keep standing. <laughs> that shows you yeah. that there is a serious concern. Yeah. So a lot of uh, uh, functional alcoholics, we say that there's not really a functional alcoholic, but it is a way of them staying in denial for much longer than an alcoholic that drinks every day. Mm. 
So at the end, you, you're consuming the same amount as the alcoholic drinking every day because you binge drinking. You know, you're drinking a lot of quantity in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then it, it also, um, you know, it affects your organs. It affects your body. It affects your functioning on a lot of levels. But I think the main reason is to escape, you know, and yeah. when one looks for these crutches in your life, that helps you deal with the work stress. And also in some companies, it is socially acceptable to drink. Yeah. You know, so for the promotion opportunities, mm. for being seen um, as being part of the workforce, mm. there's a, a corporate culture, you know, that one needs to also comply with. Mm. So that places a lot of pressure on young upcoming professionals mm. that really are looking at establishing their lives and so on. So they get caught up in in the social pressure, you know, and we say that, remember, peer pressure doesn't only happen when we are children. That's true. It <laughs> carries on into adulthood yeah, and you have to fix it. It carries on in adulthood and it carries on throughout our lives, you know. Um, being a new mum, you also find that you you want to buy the best you know, yeah. for your child, and you buy. And when then you have your child, you realise you didn't need all that stuff. That's true. But you were caught in in this whole cycle of this is what we're supposed to be doing. Okay, so we'll and, be back. So we'll be back after this break, Audrey. We're still keeping you, um, you know, on online. When we come back after the break, I think we'll go into um the signs of 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 of. Um, alcohol dependence and then go a bit deeper into um, you know the, the, the reactions so if you have a friend or you have someone that you're concerned about mm. how do you then go about chatting to them about what you might perceive as a problem in their lives um, if you've just tuned in you're still listening to Sidebar Cindy on Kai FM and I'm chatting to Kiri Rupia I'm online editor from the Mail and Guardian and also to Audrey Vermeulen National Director of the South African National Council on alcoholism and drug dependence, Sanka. And this evening, we are talking about functional alcoholism in women. And we'll be taking your calls on 86 959 You can SMS us on 36959. And of course, on, on social media, the hashtags to use are Sidebar Cindy and KFM Talk. So, Audrey, coming back to you, I think we need to define um, 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 alcohol alcoholism again. Um, it's important for us to, 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 to know that the definitions have changed and the way we talk about it has changed. So please go, just go through that again before we then go through the signs um, of, of, of alcohol dependence. So when we look at uh, alcohol use disorder, we say that it is excessive use of alcohol that affects your functioning. So that is how we would look at that. We would also say that your functioning uh, includes both mentally, physically, um, and emotionally as well. So it's on all those levels that it will affect the person. And then when it becomes a disorder is when social, we've got different stages of the dependency process. So you would have your social drinkers. Yes. That is able to have the one drink um, and on an occasion, and then we would get your your more problematic users that will have binge drinking as a pattern, as part of their drinking pattern, and some of them are weekend drinkers only. Some would only drink in the week, so their patterns are slightly different from uh, a chronic um, alcoholism or a chronic substance use disorder, which we would call severe at that stage. And the social drinker, yes? 
Yes, carry on. And the social drinkers are generally the people who who need a, a glass or two of wine to 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 relax or, or feel confident in a, in, a, in a social exactly. setting. Definitely, we we use social drinkers. Most people are social drinkers, and we also advocate for responsible drinking patterns. You know, so people need to be educated on what is the one unit of alcohol because they think that is one beer, one glass of wine, and mm. so on. But we say be careful. It depends on the alcohol volume. Yes. That you are consuming. So you must be very aware of the beer. Is it a 5%? You know? Or is it higher? And is it 314 um for wine? And then, oh, sorry, for beer. for beer. I mean, when you look at wine, you're looking at 200 moles. And it also, wine could be quite high. It could be 12%. And then sherry could be 43%. Like, sure. And then your spirits could be up to also um, quite high levels of 45 and so on. So label so reading is important. To, it's very important to understand what volume you are consuming and then also to know what are your uh, limits. As a woman, you can't drink as much as a man mm. because of our <laughs> physical being, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we, we our bodies are different, built differently, yes. Yes, our metabolism works differently from them. Mm. And also it goes on body mass, you know? So a lot of time we are a lot smaller. So mm. the alcohol affects us a lot quicker. Um, so one needs to be be aware of your the drinking patterns mm-hmm. and be responsible in your drinking. Make sure you don't drink more than two units per day. You know, so mm. that is even one unit is affecting your driving ability. So we then say don't drive at all yeah. if you've had one unit, and then make sure also that you eat that you never go out before the time without eating, Mm. you know, because alcohol gives you uh, empty sense of calories. So you feel that you're full, but you're not. So you get drunk quicker. Mm. (laughs) It's important to eat eat before the time. And to also make sure that you are very vigilant when it comes to date rape as well. And this is something that is a reality in our sitting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One needs to make young women aware, you know, of make sure that you take a, a drink that is that is sealed, for instance. Don't ever leave your drink unattended. And the one event Always I went to, yeah, the one event yeah. I went to, Audrey. I mean, we went to the bathroom, and the, and the the ladies there were in the bathroom with their drinks. And I thought to myself, this mm. is very vigilant, you know. It, yes, it looks yes. odd, but in this day and age of 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 of, of, of date rape and, and so on, you need to be Absolutely. very very careful. Okay, so we'll take a call from Unontle calling us from Randburg. Um, welcome to the show, Unontle. Good evening. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you for having me. Um. As I speak to you, I'm enjoying a glass of red wine, Merlot, whilst yes. cooking. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the, the twist I have for this is sometimes women drink mm-hmm. because they enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they function quite well even whilst enjoying the alcohol. And yes, it does border on alcoholism, you know, when it's a bottle a day. But 
but you still can function. You know what I mean? Yes, no, I understand. I understand. Mm. And I think someone brought that up on, on Twitter that what if you just drink because you just enjoy alcohol? And yes, there mm. is that. There is that. So mm. so it's, it's important to acknowledge that. Kiri, so, Kiri, has, Kiri has a comment. Um, okay, so let's, let's get one thing straight. All right. I enjoy drinking. Okay. All right. I enjoy drinking. I see nothing wrong with having your glass of wine and so forth. I have no issue with that. And I'm not trying to berate people or beat it over their heads that, oh, you shouldn't be drinking and uh, I'm not the moral police. Mm. However, what I worry about, not in not just my situation, but women around me and so forth, is that we tend to just get immersed in drinking culture without knowing our own limits and yeah. ourselves and what it is that we're doing about, you know, look, my friends are like, oh, let's go have a drink and whatever. I, I have no issue with that. I'm good with that. Let's do it. However, I now know and I'm now aware of, okay, let's now start doing clutch control. Okay, now let's put in brakes. Stop, yeah. you know. And if you're having a glass of wine, go and Bottle. enjoy that. Enjoy it. Because, look, you're allowed that. You, I'm sure, but what I don't want is us thinking, oh, I've earned it. And so I can, I can, I can drink a bottle of wine by myself. And then um, the language that we use about drinking where it's like we actually forget that there are people out there that have found themselves in situations that are now far beyond their control. So, yes, have the wine. But mm. also in the back of your mind, just keep... Be vigilant about the fact that these yeah. things can end up way out of yeah. your control. Look, there are a number of women who have um, a, a high tolerance. Mm -hmm. uh, I happen to be one of those women. Mm -hmm. And whilst I'm not condoning the consumption mm -hmm. of alcohol, I do believe that for so long, women have been kept away from these types of... It's, 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 it's a form of escapism almost, mm. you know, like, okay, I'm not going to go out there and make a fool of myself, but mm. whilst I'm home, I can do this. Yeah, I, and it's, I, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I completely get you. I, I get you. Right. Yeah. But all I'm yeah. saying is that we have to just be aware of the fact that actually don't, there's, it's not being. It's not that you're being left out of things, and so because you you've now moved uh, to a different social strata that you can now, um, you know, you can now knock it back, or you know, you're one yeah. of the boys, and now yeah. you can, you know, I really like this dude, and I want him to see that I'm like, you know, I'm cool, like, and I, I can yes, do yes, this, yes, like, yes, none yes. of that, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, have have an informed. Yeah, I think yes. I think what I get from your comment, and I'm in full agreement, is have an informed perspective of yeah. what it is you're doing and maintain some semblance of control mm. would you say that that's kind of yeah, what yeah you're no, saying? No, no. Oh, that's true yes. yeah yeah but yeah. not stop hey we never we, we, we can do this no do it <laughs> <laughs> do it but know thyself and thy limits and exactly. that is it like if you if you turned around and you said you know what i want to start gymming every single day and i want to do yoga and i want to lift weights and i want to do this and that yeah. i would be like yeah go for it do it but yes. also know your body needs rest yes. also know that Absolutely. there is such a thing as exercise addiction yeah. it's Absolutely. never it's never hurt me yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for the call Montley. thank you and just from a medical point of view i think i'll add something to that so we we i'm okay so if you haven't heard of pancreatitis pancreatitis comes 
um, it's a very painful condition. It affects your pancreas and it usually comes after a session of binge drinking. So we generally advise people to rather drink small amounts of alcohol on a daily basis than binge drink over a weekend. Mm. Okay, so, so don't save yourself for, for Friday, Saturday and Sunday and tell yourself that you can have 12 dumpies a day, mm. you know, because you can actually end up in casualty, in a lot of pain, vomiting up black stuff, with, you know, with pancreatitis. So rather a bit of alcohol a day than, than, than binge drinking. Um, we have Ulerato calling us. Okay, so we'll, we'll, have, we'll have it back on the line just now. So coming back to what Ununtle was saying, and, and look, there are people that enjoy the alcohol, have mm-hmm. a glass of Merlot in the evening, and it doesn't affect them. So, so a glass of wine a day, if it's not affecting your life adversely, is not a problem. Lerato from Spreightview, thank you so much for calling Sidebar Cindy. Hi, Cindy, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for calling. Good, good. So I know that I am an alcoholic and I am like a binge drinker. Okay. To a point where when I drink, I would say, okay, I'm drinking wine, I'm chilling, mm-hmm. and then I'm saying I'm going to drink two glasses of wine. And then after two glasses of wine, then it's going to be a savannah. Mm. And then after that, it's 10 o'clock. And then it's 4 a.m. I haven't slept. I've been drinking and I've been party. Mm. So some days with me and not the same. Some days I'll be aware of the drinking. Yeah. But some other days I'll be like, Brrr! okay, I did this. And I'll feel so bad and I'll be greater. So to a point where I actually have taken myself in and, and went to to rehab. Yeah. Actually, you know, because I can't see that I've got a problem. And I remember when I was sitting with my psychologist and she said, you're an alcoholic. It actually pierced through my heart. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, man, I'm not an alcoholic. And I could actually uh, taste the tanqueray on my list. Did she just say that? Yeah. So for me, some days are not the same. Some days are mm-hmm. fine. I can go home and just have a glass of wine and good. I'm, I'm okay, I sleep. Mm. But some days, oh, it becomes so hectic that um, I just want to carry on. And it becomes shooters. And then by the time I know it, I'm breaking everybody's drink, I'm socializing, I'm having fun. Mm. And it, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's all merry. So binge drinking, is, is it's not the same as being a functional alcoholic. Binge mm. drinkers are more prone to danger. They're more prone to so many things. Yeah. And... You can't not run away from binge drinking. No, you can't deny it. Yeah. You can see the signs because it's so bad that you actually find yourself in situations where, oh my God, did I really get myself into, into this? that? Yeah. Did I actually, you know? So, yeah. And sometimes we can say we're functioning as women, but um, I don't know how to put it, but in a, in a sense where we can say we, we've got stress at work, but it can carry on. You're functional, you're this, you're that. Because I don't know how I got to be a bench drinker, but I just know that I'm a bench drinker. Yeah. Mm. And Lerato, in terms of, 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 of therapy, have you been able to identify a trigger? Um, um, yes. Okay. Yes. You, don't, you don't have to so, share it, but have you, are you working on it? How, how's that going? Um, I am working on it because obviously I didn't start as being a bench drinker, but mm-hmm. now I use alcohol as an escape. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I, whatever I was going through, I started drinking, I started partying. You know, okay. and then yes, they did diagnose me to say, "Look, you are you compartmentalize." How do you say it? Compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. Yes, I always struggle mm. with that word. <laughs> I compartmentalize issues and things that I go through, and when it just triggers, I go haywire. Yeah. But some days I'm okay. I can just drink. But mm. yeah, I have diagnosed it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing um, um, that story, Lerato. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay. Bye. So-
Um, Tabi Singh, thank you so much for calling. Hi, Cindy. How are you? Good, thank you. I'm well. I was just listening to your show, and it's what you're saying is so familiar because I am seeing it in my sister, actually. Um, I was just telling your producer now that um, it's so bad that you call her on a Monday morning or on a Monday evening around this time, and she has had it. Mm. And you call her the next day, and she does not even remember the conversation that you had with her or you ever calling her. Or, so I found that it's the company she keeps. They make it, they make it sound cool. Like, you know, the whole binge drinking, it's very cool. Because the minute you start not criticizing, but talking about it, yeah. then they'll tell you that it's not the alcohol, it's the person. So if basically uh, the person can handle it, but yeah. don't blame the alcohol, mm. blame the person. But it's actually sad because it's a touchy feeling, it's a touchy issue with us. Yeah. And we've thought about it a couple of times where we don't speak for months because we fight about her, her drinking and she, she can literally binge from Thursday to, to a Monday mm. and, and then, leave like her child the, week, the whole weekend, you know, like not, 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 know, not knowing. She leaves him with or her with people, yeah. but like, you know, she, she can literally go away and drink the whole weekend and that's fine. Yeah, no, and it's normally starts Friday. It's, a, it's every weekend, it starts Thursday and then for Monday. Yeah. It's able to happen like that. Even during the week, she can do it. And it's actually destroying her slowly, but one can't say much. Yeah. If it's an adult, you, you can't really drag her to rehab. It's a difficult one. I'm going to, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Ntabi Singh. I'm going to ask Audrey from Yulin from, from Sanka to respond to that. Audrey, um, um, so Ntabi Singh was telling us about her sister um, yes, who, yes. Who, who really sounds like she's in trouble. Um, do, you have any, do you have any comments um, and advice for Ntabi Singh? Uh, absolutely. Ntabi Singh, this is a very real situation you are facing as a family. And it's great that you keep on confronting her because that is the way to do it. You are going to be unpopular with her, but you are trying to save her life. So this is what I also want to say, even if you have a friend in trouble, then there's some golden rules that we we try and teach you of how to deal with this effectively. And one of it is to constantly have conversations with them and make sure that they are sober when you have these conversations have your facts ready in terms of dates times you know how they um been behaving how they the consequences that you've been seeing how they are changing how they are really neglecting their children their duties as a mom and as as a sister as well and one needs to realize that this is a long process because the denial is so deep-rooted that they believe they don't have a problem you know so to break that denial one needs to come in as a family and do an intervention you know and not only once but a couple of times Mm. And to really come from a place of concern and love to really say that you are there for them and to have a resolution at the end of that to say, if you say you don't have a problem, then prove it, you know, <laughs> so change, let's change something in. in your life. Okay. I... Change something. So, and also prove it by going for assessment and really having an expert um, do that assessment with you. Um, so really it is a long process to break through the denial. And it's like I said, it's deep-rooted denial. 
So it, 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 it affects their motivation. It affects, we say it's a pre-contemplation stage that yeah. they are in. They don't even think that there's an issue, mm. you know? So they think everybody else is just putting more pressure on them and they will use excuses um, around their lifestyle to motivate why they are drinking, you know, and why they keep carrying on the way they do. Audrey, and just before I let um, Kiri um, um, comment, what would someone expect if they were to be admitted for um, alcohol dependence? I mean, I've spoken about my journey with depression and I've documented what happens when you get mm. there and so on. What, what would the, journey, the patient's journey be for alcohol dependence? Well, so the journey starts off with an assessment at the center and that is done through an appointment or you can walk in as well. And then really to speak to an expert. So it normally would be either a medical professional or it will be um, a, a psychologist or social worker. They will do an assessment and to really see how severe is this condition and how it's impacted on their life. Because not everybody needs to be um, admitted into an inpatient. Okay. You know, so you have outpatient treatment, you've got inpatient treatment. And I always say that it's important to match the person to the right type of treatment. Okay. You know, so if the person has got a moderate substance use disorder, they will um, do well in an outpatient setting where they can still do their responsibilities at home because you find that a lot of women are single parents. Mm. So they have responsibilities, you know, they just can't go to rehab for, for 28 days. Mm. You know, what happens yeah. to the children? Um so you find that there's some barriers for treatment for a lot of women, you know, yes. that they still are experiencing. And then we also, in the during the process of treatment, we then go through, we use different kind of therapeutic skills, but the main one is cognitive behavioral therapy. CBT, We yeah. also, yes, CBT, we also um, obviously have to medically stabilize them. And how well. do you, and how so, is that done? We do that through a regime, an alcohol regime that we use, and that is done through our medical teams, through a medical doctor, our nursing staff, there's 24-hour nursing care available to make sure that we deal with the withdrawal symptoms of alcohol. So with alcohol specifically, it's very, very much symptomatic that we treat, you know, the withdrawal. There's not really a magic pill that we can give you that takes yeah. away the withdrawal. But what we do is we make it more comfortable for people. So we would look at how, assisting them to sleep, assisting them mm -hmm. with anxiety, with tremors. Um, you know, so some of them also might get convulsions from the alcohol. Mm -hmm. So we're very careful. Uh, we do very careful medical history with, with each client to make sure that we give them the best medical care as well. Thank you so um, much, Audrey. Yeah. I think um, mm -hmm. we'd like to know where we can find you um, or where we can find the services yes. of Sanka um, before we let you go. Yes. We've got 28 centers throughout South Africa, so we are accessible. You know, people can phone us um, at our head office. Can I give the number? Yes, please. It's 011 yes. 892 Yes. 3829 and we will refer you to your closest center that yeah. will assist you. Thank you so much Audrey. I'm, I really enjoyed um, chatting to you and thank you for unpacking yeah. functional alcoholism in such a, such a, a non-judgmental manner. I really appreciate it. 
No problem. And thank you to all the callers that phoned in, and especially to Leratu. Well done on sharing your story, yeah. and we're behind you in your recovery. Thank you. So, Kiri, you wanted mm. to comment um, on the previous um, call that Tabi came through. Tabi Singh's call, yes. Um, Tabi Singh is one of those rare people. She's very brave. Mm. Because in order for you to see that, you know, your sister is in this, um, she's in this situation and now you feel a bit hemmed in because you don't know what to do. I, I also, besides the fact that Tabi Singh is brave, I think we also need to speak about the fact that this is an embarrassing problem. It is embarrassing. I don't want to come to work and people think I'm a lush. Mm. I don't want my friends and family to look at me like, oh, there she goes. You know what I mean? Mm. But I think it's very brave of her to, one, see what's happening, to call in and, and think to herself, I need to do something about this. But I need to make her aware of the fact that interventions are nothing like they are on TV. Or in movies, you know, where yeah. it's like, yeah. oh, we sat down and we had a nice conversation and then there was tears and then, no. It's going to get fraught. It's going to be ugly. There's going to be tears. They can ev- it can even be estrangement. But I would rather have someone not speak to me for three years, but they're alive, than I didn't say anything and then now I'm supposed to deliver a eulogy. Yeah, the speaking up is difficult, um, and I'm glad that difficult. you brought that up. Um, mm. You know, highlighting a problem to someone is not easy because you, mm. you know, you, you, it might come across as judgmental. It's my money; I can do what I want to with mm. my life. But because there's kids involved, like it's it's a matter of urgency. Mm. And even if she didn't have kids, like a life is a life. Like she's important; she's a valid person. So, I if everything is still listening, I would. I would give her the advice of going ahead, as Audrey said. Obviously, I have no medical background or anything, but I have a sister, and if my sister were to come to me and she, she said to me, my guy, you're doing too much, I'd appreciate that over anything else anybody had to say to me. And yeah, guys, the, this is real, and yes, we might enjoy our booze and stuff, but we need to be aware of the things that we're doing, not just to ourselves, but like people around us. Um, people that care about us, people that work with us, people that are acquainted with us. Mm. It's not just you. Mm, well, thank you so much for those closing statements. And um, you've been listening to Sidebar Cindy and my sobering close closing comments is that, um, as I said at the beginning of the show, and I said on, on social media as well, that I'm not speaking from a high horse. And this is why um, I actually decided that we could, have, we could have this topic on the table. And um, I'm blessed to have people in my life that can look into my life and say, Cindy, okay, we think things aren't okay here. You know, so, so sort that out or, or do this or do that. I'm very blessed to have people like that. And not everyone has that. So yeah. if there's anyone in your life and you feel good to go just speak up. Many times, just speaking up, even if you upset that person, but having mentioned the issue to them will give them a chance to reflect and think about what, what's happening in their lives and, and possibly take action. So, you know, it could be an SMS, it could be a WhatsApp message, it could be a letter. Just find a way of broaching the subject because keeping quiet doesn't always help. And there is help out there. Um, you know, Audrey from Mulan from Sanka was on the show and we know that there is help out there. So, you know, be a blessing to someone's life. Mention the subjects and and get them to start thinking about their lives. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. On Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind.